All right, guys. Uh, good morning. Happy Friday. It's a beautiful morning, a little crisp out here in Idaho. It's about 20 some degrees, 27 degrees, maybe. And that's a little chilly for October, but a cup of coffee and a nice flannel and I'm good to go. I wanted to share with you guys a little bit about soul focus and why I started this group and kind of what I'm up to, where I'm coming from and, and why I'm here. My sole focus, I was challenged not that long ago, you know, to really drill down on what's the most important thing to me. What's my mission in life? And so as I was thinking about that, I, you know, I get it down. Like I want to help people. I want to educate people, help equip people, edify, all this kind of stuff. And that's nice, right? Narrow it down, narrow it down. I kept getting, you know, pushed to narrow down just one word. What's one word to help capture what I'm here to do or what I feel like my, my sole mission in life is. And the answer for me is to elevate in a single word to elevate, elevate myself, elevate my own awareness, elevate toward my own potential so I can be the best me I can be, to be the best husband and father that I can be, and then have a little positive impact, ripples, you know, reaching out into the world, helping humanity, right? But ultimately, I want to help elevate that inner awareness, that spiritual awareness in the people around me as well by being real, by being raw, by being relevant and helping reflect back the patterns and the systems in life that we all struggle with as part of the human condition. These things that we go through, I think we're, we're all on our own unique journey to get from where we're at to where we want to be in life. Whatever that journey looks like or wherever you're at, it always starts where the feet meet the ground. And we're always moving some direction. We may be moving down the path toward potential, or we may be moving down the path toward dissatisfaction, displeasure, and pain, right? And how do I know this is true for everybody? Well, I guess the bottom line is I don't. But I think, <laughs> I strongly believe that it is part of the human conditioning. I'm not the only guy that suffered from my own foolishness, right? I'm not the only guy that's been stuck in this cycle of self-induced suffering, but I have figured out a few things that I can do to help kind of recalibrate, to restructure my life. And how I came to these lessons, I think was painful, right? I was asking recently on my personal feed, what are some of the lessons in life? And one of the, one of the, what's life teaching you right now? One of the responses was that some lives, uh, some lessons in life are painful. And I've, I feel like I've had to learn a lot of painful lessons. I've dealt with a lot of pain. I care because I've been there, man. I've been crushed physically, emotionally, spiritually. And I just want to share a little bit of that context with you guys so that you know where I'm coming from. When I say I'm here for you and I care, I'll walk with you, share with you, talk with you. Uh, ultimately, this is why. You know, I grew up in rural Alaska. Some of you guys know I grew up without running water and electricity. We had the outhouse. You know, I, I had everything except for a toilet and a dad. <laughs> you know, I didn't have these things that were kind of what were basic, you know, back in the day. And because I didn't have those things, I, I had this drive and this determination. I'm going to go out there and make my mark on the world. And I want to go out there and prove to the world that I'm somebody worth loving. And so I was trying to find fatherly affection or acceptance in, in all of these ways. And when I, you know, people like me, I'm a pretty nice guy, you know, and so I got this social affirmation, but that didn't really satisfy me deep down on the inside. I was dealing with a lot of pain and a lot of ugly emotions. And what ultimately happened is I just kind of calloused my heart. I kind of closed off. I got angry and bitter on the inside. And I began drinking at a really young age drinking a lot and 
When I was 17, I was binge drinking. I was drinking a whole bottle of tequila, man. Just bam, 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 bam. And then I tried to drive my buddies home. I got thrown out, going about 80 miles an hour, landed face first on the concrete, shattered my face, shattered my cheeks, knocked out all my teeth, broke my lower jaw in seven places, busted my shoulder, shattered my solar blade, and compressed my lower spine. I was eating through my nose, breathing through my neck right there for a, a long time. And it sucked really bad, right? And it hurt really bad. But what hurt even worse was the first day I finally could sit up in the hospital bed and look into the mirror. All I could see was just this mangled guy. Just my face was just mangled and I just wanted to die. And I felt so angry that I didn't die. Why was I alive? Why did I live through that? Man, it would have been better just to die. I don't want to look like this hideous monster, this beast, you know. I want to, you know, anyway. And so that sent me on a war path full of anger and rage and belligerence. And I was just out there doing every stupid thing I could do because I didn't care. I was living with reckless abandon, right? I just wanted to go out there. I didn't care if I died. I was going to just live wild, die young, whatever the case. I ended up in the military and the military was a good place for me to, you know, find some structure. But even inside that structure, I was still this, you know, angry, belligerent young man. Got a lot of stories I'm, I'm going to cut short today, but the bottom line is I was placed in an ultimatum. I was in a situation. I got myself into a situation where I was told you're either going to go to the brig or you're going to go to this chaplain's retreat, to this church retreat on base. And I thought, well, that's a no brainer. I don't want to go to jail or the brig. You know, I'm going to go to this chaplain's retreat. And they, they said, you know, you need to get right with God, kid. And I was like, Psh, God, yeah, whatever. And during that time, I was sitting there and I was looking out the beach. This is in Hawaii, I was stationed in Hawaii. Beautiful, you know, the, the sunset was sparkling off the ocean. The palms were swaying in the wind. And I felt like, you know, this is such a beautiful moment. Life is so beautiful right now, but on the inside, I'm not, I just wanted to die, right? And I thought like, I might just walk out into the ocean and take a deep breath and walk straight down the Davy Jones locker, right? I don't know if it's even worth living. And in the midst of all of that moment, I was interrupted by an angel, by a young woman who came up to me and invited me to come with her. Come meet my friends. Come connect in this group, this fellowship where people care about you and will grow together. will love you no matter where you're at and uh, help lift you up. And I thought, wow. And that changed my life in a massive sort of way. I ended up getting really involved. I got baptized with that woman. We got baptized together in the ocean right there at that spot. And I got very involved in the church. I was reading the scriptures. I was all fired up about Jesus Christ. I was, you know, out there preaching the good word and doing good things. I, I actually became Pastor Luke, you know, for a period of time in life. And I was all in until the day came where I was watching actually somebody I loved, actually that woman, suffer unimaginably. And I prayed and I asked God to intervene. Like, come on, this is ridiculous. This is a really good, good lady here. You know, she's suffering and it hurts so bad in my heart that I couldn't help her. And I watched as life just kind of destroyed her. And God seemed completely indifferent to her suffering and all that. And I got, again, kind of mad at God. I didn't understand. I felt like my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling, man. I was praying and fasting and doing all the stuff that you're supposed to do and nothing was happening. I realized, wait a minute here. This is bogus, man. I don't care. You know, if this is what it says, ask and you believe you'll receive and all that. I mean, shh, it wasn't working. And so I said to hell with it. I'm out of here. 
I don't want to work for the church anymore. I don't, you know, I had a, a crisis of faith, if you will. And once again, I was kind of angry at God, like, why, why? I don't understand. And so <sighs> I went back into the wilderness, if you will, literally and figuratively. I did. I'd like to go out into the wilderness to seek wisdom and solitude to kind of calm my mind and get into my heart. But ultimately, I needed to go through this phase. And what happened, you know, in the coming years, you know, another five, 10 years later, my body was was broken. When I was in the military, running around playing G.I. Joe, I destroyed my body, busted my ankle, had three surgeries on my ankle, two surgeries on my knee. They sent me home, right? Well, they had fused the bone in my ankle. And a decade later, the fusion was failing. And a failing fused ankle hurts really bad. So I was constantly in pain. Every step was a pain, you know, painful experience. And I, as resilient and tough and robotic as I thought, my body's a robot, man. I'm just going to power through all this pain. What happened was it began to wear me down and break me down. So not only was I in like this spiritually dark place where I was just kind of angry at God, but I was also, or I don't need God. This idea of God was just bullshit, right? I didn't, I wasn't buying it. And so, and, and I knew I had studied, I understood, I had memorized the scripture. I was like, I was just eh, not it for me. So then all of a sudden the pain starts creeping in physical pain. And I'm still trying to be an optimistic guy. You know, at this point in life, I'm, I'm, I'm a registered financial professional and I'm out there doing things and I'm in a, a healthy relationship and I've got a child and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately when the pain kept persisting day after day, like a decade of chronic pain, it wore me down. It broke me down and I was hurting bad. And man, when you're hurting bad, it's hard to be in a good mood. When you're hurting bad, it's hard to stay focused. When you're hurting bad, it's hard to give a damn about anything else in life, right? And so my give a damn was busted. And ultimately what happened was the VA said, we're going to amputate your foot. And I got a little bit freaked out. I like my feet. Not that I'm vain. I mean, I would live without it if I had to. But ultimately I was like, gosh, man, I don't want to lose my foot. I'm too young to die. <laughs> you know, I had picked out my prosthetic. I had met other amputees and I was waiting on crutches, with crutches on the couch, waiting for the VA to call me and say, hey, today's the day we're going to chop it off. And I thought, man, you know, somebody said, hey, uh, you should try yoga. I thought, really? Yoga? You know, I had been limping for a decade. My hips hurt, my back hurt, my shoulders, my neck hurt, but ultimately my heart hurt and my mind was just fully stressed out, man. I was really stretched thin. My warrior spirit had been crushed and I was just hurting inside now. And when somebody said I should try yoga, I mean, I grew up, I grew up on the farm in small town, Alaska, right? Yoga was always a new age hippie cult, man. I didn't know anybody that did yoga and I'd be damned if anybody knew that I was doing yoga. So what I did was just start buying books, like lots and lots of books. And I would spend, I had nothing better to do at this point in life. I would spend morning till night studying the books, studying the books, learning and applying these techniques to myself, these ancient science, you know, to my body, to my mind. And what I found that was through the deep breathing, the gentle bending, the massage, the stimulation of, you know, energy and healing in my body, I was able to regain clarity and peace of mind. I was able to begin to incrementally rebuild my body. I didn't just jump up and start, you know, clicking my heels together. I mean, it took me two years to touch my toes. Ultimately, I didn't have to have surgery. I lost 75 pounds. I got back on my feet and man, I was super stoked. Like, yes, man, I'm alive again. You know, I get another run at it. What am I going to do now with my life? You know, and people need to know about this stuff, you know, these tools. And when I was going through that, the, 
uh, the doctors were like, what are you doing? And I was like, man, I'm doing a lot of yoga, a lot of breathing, a lot of meditation, lots of yoga. And they said, well, can you, you know, can you come and share this kind of stuff? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to share. I love sharing. I'm like, a, I'm a, I'm a teacher in my heart. I come from a long line of teachers, right? Uh, but ultimately I created this presentation called Finding Focus. And it was originally a path through pain and how to, how to construct a life or to live constructively or constructively deal with chronic pain. When you can't escape pain because it's just in your body, there's still things that we can do to cultivate quality of life. And this is something that I had learned kind of the hard way. I had found inner peace, if you will, or I found a way to calm my mind, to calm the nerves and to come to a place of what felt like center to me in spite of uh, all the things that I was out of control of. My body wasn't working for me the way I wanted it to, but yet I still could cultivate my quality of life internally, inside out, and it was working. And so I started sharing Finding Focus and other people were like, wow, this is really good stuff, okay? Uh, thank you for sharing. And I'm like, hey, no problem, man. I, I don't want anybody to suffer unnecessarily. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is what works for me to help reduce my own suffering. And this, at this point, it wasn't self-induced suffering. Well, it was self-induced suffering, but it was things that were out of my control. And all right, so fast forward a little bit, right? I go on to open up a yoga studio. I'd never, I'd taken like two yoga classes. I finally got the nerve to go into yoga class. I'm like, eh, not going there again. No, to another one, eh, not going there again. You know, this isn't, this isn't real. This is like some pretentious parade of superficial spirituality. You know what I mean? This is not what yoga is to me. You know, yoga is a power tool, man. Yoga is not this foofy, fluffy stuff. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to open up my own yoga studio. I'm just going to call it yoga, simply yoga. You know, real people, real yoga and real fun, right? Because if we're not having fun, if we can't be lighthearted about life, then we're not being real, right? Like, I mean, we can't take ourselves too seriously. And so that was a great, my, my heart was, I'm going to help whoever walks through that door the best I can. And what I found was there's a lot of people hurting, a lot of people hurting physically, a lot of people hurting emotionally, and ultimately a lot of people hurting spiritually. And I was studying the Yoga Sutras, which is kind of like the Yoga Bible, the Sutras of Patanjali. It's like, you know, like here's some wisdom, right? This eightfold path to get from where you're at to where you really could be in life, which is a place of just... Uh, you could call it enlightenment or just immersion, like a, a true intimate connection with the essence of life itself and how to cultivate that. And I was, I was reading through the sutras. There was one that stood out to me and said, you know what? Zeal, passion, self-study, self-discipline and surrender to God. This is the heart of the yogi. And I thought, yes, man, zeal, passion. I got that in spades, you know, uh, self-reflection, self-study, self-discipline. Oh man, that's me. I got it, you know, and then, but surrender to God. God damn it. Why? Why? You know, this guy can't get away from this God, you know, and or this this spiritual element of life. And I was so stuck on that for months. I was like, surrender to God. I do not surrender to God. I don't surrender. If I'm not dead, I'm not going to surrender. I mean, I was just, you know, wrestling with it. And <laughs> I met a guy. This is this is was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I was at a yoga retreat and I met this guy. He was a retired major from the army. He was a big guy and kind of a gruff guy. And I thought, you know what? Good. Nice to know there's a few other, you know, army vets out here that are doing the yoga. And uh, we had this long talk one night, <laughs> a, uh, a very fluid conversation. And we started talking and he, he at one point he just interrupted me. He said, you know what, Luke, uh, you're a great guy. You know, he said a couple things that really touched my heart. He said, any man would be proud to call you his son. 
And oh, man, even now I get goosebumps. I could start to cry even thinking about that. And that moment, the tears came up and that rage came up. And I thought for just a second about clamping down those emotions and just pummeling that guy. Who the you think you are saying that to me? You know, you don't know me. But I listened. I was open. And, you know, any man would be proud to call you his son. And that was really just zing. He said, you got a quiver full. You got all these skills that you can use to help people. But you have an Achilles heel. You've got a, a, a weakness. You know, one, you know, and I got a lot of weaknesses, you know, but what, what, what are you talking about? You know, and again, I was just kind of holding back the, the urge to deck this guy. And he says, Luke, you need to learn to surrender. You got to let go. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. You know, here's this guy. This is like one o'clock in the morning. We had downed a couple pictures of Guinness. You know, this is right around St. Patrick's Day. We had corned beef and cabbage and Guinness. And then we're having this conversation. This is after a yoga retreat, right? And and I just I just broke. You know, I, I knew that what he was saying was true. But it wasn't just him saying it to me. It was like the universe conspires, right? God was speaking through this man to me. And I want I want everyone to understand that when I say God, I'm talking about good old divinity, G-O-D, God. I believe that God is the, the limit of human cognition, the biggest, the greatest, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving. God, it's not any definitive uh you know, tradition so much or dogma or doctrine. It's just God, the goodness and the essence of everything that is God, good old divinity, the, da, da, the eternal enigma, <laughs> the great mystery of life, you know, God, how is it that we're all animated and aware and interacting and intimately connected and an intricate web of life, the cosmos, the cosmic puzzle, right? And we're each a part of it and all of that kind of stuff. And so I spent some time thinking about this, this idea of surrender to God again. You know, that, that, like I said, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. That was like, whoa, that was a little bit more coincidence than I could, I could just dismiss, right? This was in my heart. I knew there was a message here that I needed to get. I needed to get this concept, integrate it in my life and understand it and then begin to apply it. And some time passed, not long, maybe a week or two. And I was sitting and thinking, I was very reflective and I was sitting and staring into the fire one day and it just hit me like a lightning bolt zing, 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 from the, from the beginning of my life to where I was currently at all these, these stories, these memories, these different places that I had been that had helped bring me to where I was right then and there. And I was overwhelmed with gratitude because it wasn't me that it wasn't of my own volition, right? When I was unconscious and I'd smack my head on the concrete, and there's people that joked and said, oh, that was your guardian angel just kind of going, whack, you know, wake up, Luke. And I always thought, you know what, go to hell. <laughs> Why would a guardian angel smack you on the concrete that hard, you know? Uh, but I realized in that moment where I was unconscious and unaware for a period of time, I couldn't hear anything see anything, taste, smell anything, you know, all I could really experience in that time was the most excruciating pain you could possibly imagine. And again, I came out of that and I was angry, but in that moment, years later, you know, over 20 years later, right. I, I began to realize it wasn't me. It wasn't like I had this indomitable spirit or I was so strong or resilient. It was the spirit within me, the essence of who I am, my soul identity that survived 
for a purpose or had desire to survive, right? The infinite wisdom of my body, our biology, man, is amazing. I've broken my body again and again. It's healed. I've learned to heal inside out. Anyway, all of those things connecting, boom, 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 boom. And I just gushed tears of gratitude. I'm so grateful for my life. So, so grateful for the good, the bad, the ugly. I am a lucky guy, man, to be alive right now, to be able to share and speak my heart in the 21st century, to be able to be doing all of this is freaking awesome. And I think that it's so cool, you know? And then yet, I stop and I look around, I walk around town, I go through the store and people are down, man. They're like, ha ha, you know, like, humanity's suffering right now. People are hurting right now. We're isolated right now. We don't have, a lot of people don't have a sense of purpose or what's life all about, or is is there even a purpose? And all of that kind of stuff. And so I was teaching a lot of yoga. I was teaching like 35 classes a week, 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. And I was pouring it out. I had brought on other instructors and the whole bit. I mean, the studio was thriving. I was helping people. And what I realized was there was this need that was not being met. And cut. End of act one. Move on to the next stage of life. Through a series of uh, unforeseen circumstances, my wife had a career opportunity that caused us to move to Idaho. And so I ended up selling the studio. And that was like giving away my baby, you know, and it just hurt. It crushed my heart. Like here I was thinking I was doing all this good and people are coming in and saying, hey, thanks, Luke. You're so awesome. High five. Give me a hug. You know, I'm like, yay, cool. You know, people are paying me lots of money to help them feel good and recover and heal. And that felt really good. It was rewarding. And so to let that go, like, are you kidding me? You know, are you kidding me? (laughs) I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. You know, can I surrender? Can I accept that this is part of life. It is what it is. I may not understand, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, you know, trust in, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways, acknowledge God and he'll set your path straight. You know, this is trusting in life, the goodness, the grace of divinity, trusting in life. Don't try to understand it all, man. We have this little slice of pie, this little sliver of perspective that is really not, uh, it is not, well, we can grow our perspective. We can learn a lot, but we will never, ever see the big picture. It's it's incomprehensible, right? We just simply can't. And so, you know, trust. Don't try to understand. Just honor and acknowledge that, that life is good. This is a divine dance. I always feel like I'm in a divine dance, right? Boom, boom, boom. Moving and shaking, you know, giving and taking. Rolling with the punches. You know, we can't guarantee that there's not going to be a meteor that strikes earth or that a fire is going to burn down the house or anything like that. You just don't know about those things. And yet, somehow life is still good. Somehow, you know, good old divinity is keeping it all together, the grace of gravity, you know. All right, so, you know, I sell the studio and I go into this, I like to say like a minor tailspin, like, I didn't totally collapse, but I, I was like, damn it, you know, and what it was was a struggle of identity. And I began to realize, wow, there's this ego in my head that wants me to you know, like, oh, I'm this and I'm that, and I'm, I'm all these things, all these labels. And ultimately, you know, that's not who I am. That's just who I think I am, who I am in my heart. There's a difference between my, my ego identity, my head led identity and my heart level, my soul identity. And I began to explore that. I realized my body or my mind was trying to recreate this identity, man, I'm going to be a badass mountain biker. So I started doing downhill mountain bike races and all this stuff, whatever I could do to make myself feel good about myself. 
And I realized this pattern. So I just kind of clamped down. I shut down. I got off social media. I kind of went into this reclusive cave of contemplation, my own little cocoon to figure out what life was all about for me. And what's the most meaningful thing? A bookend here in my early life, I realized I'm a, you know, I'm a pretty smart guy, you know, and I can learn anything, right? I can learn anything. What's worth learning? And I realized I could learn about how to build rocket ships or whatever, but someday I'm going to be dead in the dirt and that's not really going to matter anymore, right? So maybe the most important thing for me to learn about is me. Who am I on the inside, right? Not if I chew off, a, you know, bear chews off my arm, I'm still me, you know, my thoughts change, but I'm still me. Who am I? And this is like at age 10, right? So I spent, <laughs> you know, 20 plus years, you know, trying to figure out what, you know, who am I? And I figured like I got pretty close on that. But then I came into this, this next level of crisis, like a little bit deeper. Who am I? And, you know, discerning the difference between ego identity and soul identity. And in that time period, I realized, you know, I, I am a teacher. I love to teach. I love to share. I love to help. I like to help equip people, to help educate people, to help elevate. This is, you know, a time when this uh, elevate came to, you know, clarity for me. And one other thing was this question of what's worth teaching. So if, if I asked for, you know, pretty much, you know, like 30 years, what's worth learning or 20 years, what's worth learning and spent, you know, a period of time trying to chew on this idea of what's worth teaching. I came to this realization that, you know what, you know, I'd come to the realization for me that life is a spiritual journey, right? It's about surrender and acceptance. It's about trusting in good old divinity. It's about, you know, learning to cultivate ourselves to enhance our chances of achieving success, the path to potential, uh, our true purpose, our mission in life and all that kind of stuff is ultimately a spiritual priority. And yet when I say spiritual priority, I realize like half of my friends would be like, what, dude? You know, they'd be like throwing beer bottles at me. Dude, get the hell out of here. We don't want to talk about God or spirituality. You, you know, you weird punk, you know. And then the other half of my friends are like, well, what do you mean spirituality? Are you talking about that yoga hippie shit, you know? And then, you know, well, are you talking about Jesus? Are you talking about like what version, <laughs> you know, of, of, you know, Western tradition? I had a, a friend actually hit me up on, on uh, social media Oh, this is a while ago now, but in the midst of all this time, she said, are you a Hindu? <laughs> well, no, I'm not a Hindu. You know, I, I, why do you ask? You know, and it was because I did yoga and I just seemed like such a happy, healthy, balanced guy. And these are her words, not mine, you know? Yeah. But you know, only if she could see me in my, my hard times, you know, the real authentic moments of struggle and crisis. I want to be able to share that. Right. And, but this idea, you know, that, I need to be able to communicate with people about the spiritual journey of life. How do I do that? And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a book about it. <laughs> I, it was in my heart. Like, I want to share this idea that we all have a primal purpose, right? The primal purpose of life is to help make the world a better place. You were born for a purpose. You know, what is that innate, unique part of you, that divine expression coming through you that you were born to do? You know, what were you born to do? to help make humanity a better place? How are you going to have a positive impact in the world around you? And that sort of thing. You know, this idea of self-directed evolution that we can really literally grow and change uh, ourselves, our lives in amazing sort of ways. And there's all these tools that we can use. Why not use them? Why not learn from the lineages of Hinduism, of Buddhism, of Taoism, of Christianity, of Judaism, of Islam, of whatever? You pick your tradition. You know, isn't this the best that 
any given culture has to offer, right? This is like the grand sum of knowledge from that cultural context. And they poured it out because why? Because it helped make people's lives better because it gave them a spiritual path to walk down. And as I began to look at that and realize that, I was like, wow, you know, there's all these different spiritual paths, you know, there's, there's some debate about, you know, whether or not this is uh, the right path or the wrong path. And I don't care to debate that. That's not for me to decide. But I do know that it is a human need that every single person is born craving in their heart a connection with the essence of life itself, an intimate connection with God to have a relationship with something bigger than ourselves. Right. And that is such a fundamental need. And yet... When we are alive in the 21st century, we see people, you know, mocking the church and, and fleeing traditional religions. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that people aren't finding the satisfaction or the connection in the stories that used to work, right? Because there's so much more information. Now you can hear stories, uh, Hindu stories or Buddha stories and all that kind of stuff. You get to hear these stories. It's not just the story of Jesus Christ. It's, you know, the story of the Buddha and, you know, stories of Ganesha and, and all of that stuff. What do we do to make sense of this, right? Where do we go? If we don't want to go to a traditional church, where do we connect with all that? You know, how do we talk about the spiritual journey of life in an open-minded environment where we're just open minds, open hearts, sharing is caring. I'm here for you, man. I honor where you're at on your path. I, let's talk about it. You know, let's grow together. And so I founded a nonprofit organization called Heathen House International. And it's open hearts, open minds, gathering a tribe of humanity so that we can gather together, grow together, and ultimately so we can give back together, but creating this place. And so I've been working and developing that. And in order to work and develop that, you know, I realized I need to re-engage social media, but I want to re-engage social media in a meaningful way, right? In a meaningful way, not just like, oh, look at me or, you know, hey, I got a six pack or check out my beer belly or <laughs> whatever the case may be. None of that superficial stuff. I want to get a little bit deeper, man, because it's all about, again, the spiritual journey, the spiritual priority. Honestly, the spiritual priority is the most practical priority because it doesn't matter how much money we have. It doesn't matter uh, how good of relationships we have. If we don't have a solid, you know, sense of soul satisfaction where we're spiritually satisfied, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. And conversely, if we're dealing with a lot of physical pain or we're in shambles and the whole sky is falling down around us, if we're at peace in our heart, it doesn't matter. We can weather any storm, right? This is the, this is the indomitable spirit, you know? So I realized my mission is to help elevate spiritual awareness, right? To help people connect their head with their heart so that they can go out there and live life in a meaningful way or a way that's meaningful to them personally, to you personally. That's why I'm here. That's why I started this Soul Focus Facebook group is because I want to be able to bring people in, you know, get out of that, that chatter, out of that stream of BS and consumerism and ego to get right down to the root of who are you, what are you doing, and how can I help you get from where you're at to where you want to be and remind you and we remind each other that we need to enjoy the journey along the way. <laughs> That's what it's really all about, soul focus. And so these principles that I, you know, that I first begin to teach in, in the Finding Focus workshop, you know, for me, this is an acronym. I, I write prolifically. I've got stacks and stacks of journals. I always have. I, I enjoy it. That's what makes me, you know, part of makes me me, right? And so I started to go back and look and like, what's this pattern? And how did I get past this? And so I, you know, that's what I created this Finding Focus presentation with. And part of it was this process of aiming. You know, how do we focus our mental effort? 
we need to aim and we need to ask the right questions, involve the right people and make the right decisions. And I realized that years ago and I've, you know, I try to use that as often as I can in life. What happens is that we get, you know, distracted and diverted and all that kind of stuff. And so then there's like, okay, how do we, uh, how do we put bumpers on the bowling lane of life, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I've shared this stuff because it worked for me. And I think that it can work for some of you, maybe all of you, you know, we each have our own tools. And at the same time, I'd love to know what has worked for you or where are you struggling at? What are your obstacles and how do you overcome them? I think that if we share our collective wisdom, we get together, we're just real. We're raw. We rip it open. We say, hey, this is where I'm at and I'm sucking. My body hurts. My heart hurts. My my soul hurts. I'm thirsty, man. Wherever you're at, if we can just say, hey, man. I honor where you're at and I know you're going to have to walk your own path, but you don't have to walk it alone. I'm here to support you in that journey. That's what soul focus is all about. It's that spiritual journey. And I want to be a resource. I want to be a cheerleader and a coach. (laughs) Go, go team. (laughs) But uh, more than anything, I just want to be real. But I want to be right here and I want to be present and I want to be connecting as, as often as can. And so in this developing of this community right now. It's a closed community. I'm going to let it grow a little bit, but you know, I want to keep it small and tight knit because I want to get to know you. I want you to get to know me. I want to feel like we have a relationship and a rapport with each other where there's trust, mutual trust between everybody in the group where we know that we can come to this place and connect. We can come to this place and, and build, you know, ourselves and build up each other. I want you to succeed, not just in the spiritual journey. The spiritual journey is is like an overarching. I want you to succeed in your business. I want you to succeed in your relationships. I want to share, you know, best practices in all these areas. I want you to succeed in your physical health. I want you to feel a little bit better each day than where you're at right now. If you're not feeling like you're at the very best and peak of life, what can we do to help improve? So if you have questions, anything, throw it out there, throw it to the group. If you're not comfortable throwing it to the group, throw it to me, shoot me and I am. And let's, let's open up the communication. Let's begin to share more from the heart, speak more from the heart, live more from the heart, from the heart. It's all about the heart, right? And so that's my message, guys. That's what I want Soul Focus to be all about. And I couldn't figure out how to type all that real fast. So I just thought I'd open up here, go live, because live for me is two things. One is slaying my dragons, facing my fear of being in front of the camera. And two, it keeps me uh, accountable to authenticity, right? I can't go back and edit or change anything. This is just me opening up and saying, Bleh. <laughs> here I am. So that's it. It's Friday. It's a fabulous, fun, fantastic Friday morning. It's beautiful outside. I hope that it's beautiful inside for each of you right now. And <laughs> I raced my board. I had all these plans up today. I thought, you know what? No, this is it. Smile because it feels good, right? I hope that some part of you is smiling right now because I'm smiling on the inside knowing that we're just getting started. I'm super excited about this, building the momentum, growing together. So thank you for being here. And uh, if you're not smiling right now, I'm going to do just one more thing to wish you the most happy Friday that you've had in recent memory. Check this out. Was that the dab? (laughs) All right, guys, that's it for today. I look forward to talking to you soon and uh, take care. Peace. Mm -hmm.